This podcast is sponsored by Agroplante. Imagination, innovation, science in action. As a disclaimer, views expressed in interviews are solely those of the individuals and do not necessarily represent those of my ag life, JCS Marketing, and its employees. Welcome to My Ag Life, where we cover your world in agriculture. This podcast is powered by the top publications in the industry, West Coast Nut, Progressive Crop Consultant, and Organic Farmer Magazine. Here is your host, Taylor Chalstrom. Hi, welcome to My Ag Life. Today we're talking with Russell Taylor, Vice President of Live Earth Products Incorporated, and David Baudreau, Director of the Fertilizer Institute's Biostimulant Council, about biostimulant trends and usage, as well as the recently reintroduced Plant Biostimulant Act and what this legislation could mean for the ag industry. Welcome to the show, Russell and David. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great to have you both here. Russell, I want to start off with you here. You know, we've talked a bit on the podcast and on My Ag Life in general before about what biostimulants are, but maybe you could briefly refresh our memory because a lot of people have different definitions of what this product sector is. So that's the fun part about it is right now there is no definition. So what you see is a hodgepodge of efforts by states to kind of categorize these products that farmers are already familiar with. And just a, you know, a couple of them that, you know, let's say examples, humic acid, kelp extracts, um, all of those actually fall in the biostimulant category. Even some of your microbial uh, soil amendments, all those things are technically biostimulants. And it kind of stems out of a very old law, which is the uh, Federal Insecticide and Fungicide and Rodenticide Act. And a lot of people are wondering, you know, what does the you know Fungicide Act or Fungicide and Rodenticide Act have to do with, you know, biostimulants? And basically, the way the law was written is that. Anything that accelerates a retarded plant growth and is not a fertilizer, and the fertilizer being nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and those other macro and micronutrients is and could be considered, considered a plant regulator, and that is regulated under FIFRA. So biostimulants are those products that are not fertilizers, you know, humic acids and, and, and microbial inoculants that these farmers use every day, which, which are kind of in limbo right now without a definition. Certainly. Uh, Russell, I mean, how are you actually seeing, you know, being that you're kind of a, a producer of some of these biostimulant products, how are you seeing growers use them from your perspective? What influences a grower to even choose a particular biostimulant, given the fact that there are so many different kinds out there? So the biggest issue that anybody that's buying biostimulants faces is actually the labeling. And what you'll see is a really divergence between the research. So, you know, you can go to your local um, researcher from UC Davis or somewhere, and they see this really interesting research on, let's say, heat stress and humicrophobic acids. And you say, wow, that's great. I've got, you know, heat stress issues. And you start looking at the labels and that's not anywhere to be seen. And so there's a huge, huge divergence between what you can put on the labels and in certain states. Um, for example, one biostimulant like, let's say, fulvic acid, you can't even claim fulvic acid on a label in California. And in other states, you see fulvic acid in a broad array of claims. 
So the the issues with growers is you see, you know, some things on the web or you see some really great research, you know, stuff in the, you know, local nut grower magazine, and then it just doesn't connect with what's on the label. And that, that divergence is a problem. And so the, the goal of, of this big effort that we're trying to accomplish is actually getting a standardized label and, and to get uh, claims that can be made on these products. And, and that's the problem is growers are not being able to connect the product to the claim and the efficacy. Certainly. Kind of what I'm hearing is that the fact that there is no one singular definition and that there's all these different types of products from different categories muddied up into this one sector of products, it, it creates a bit of a barrier for the the grower or, or farm manager to to really adopt these products and, and figure out if it is actually beneficial for the operation. Exactly. You know, and being a certified crop advisor, you know, some of the things that we're doing is trying to give the, the grower recommendations, meaningful recommendations is going to make a difference on their farm. And when you see a disconnect between the claims you can make or the labeling, it makes, it, it just makes decisions, decision-making hard, finding the active ingredients, what's actually going to get you the visible result from the active ingredient. And some of these products, you, you can't test for the active ingredient or there's no test for the active ingredient because there's no definition, because there is no um, federal body or, or state body that's embracing a, a biostimulant category. And so there's a, there's a big um, effort for both industry and legislators to actually make a change on this. Certainly. And Russell, I'm curious, in your experience as a certified crop advisor, you're also a producer of humic acid biosimilant products, which fall into that organic acid category. I'm, I'm curious where you are actually most often seeing growers benefiting from the product sector. Um, you know, when they actually find a product that suits their needs, what what are they actually using it for um, to improve their operation? So it's kind of a loaded question because humic and fulvic acids are partially exempted. So FIFRA has some exemptions for soil amendments. So humic acids uh, can be used on soils without an issue. But once you spray it on the plant, that's when you actually engage some of the elements of the law. So typically we see humic acids being most um, effective with the fertilizer, with the nutrient. By complexing those nutrients and, and making that plant have a longer opportunity to absorb the nutrient. Now, recent research has actually shown that there is some other benefits, you know, actually triggering the plant to be able to respond to heat stress and some of these other abiotic stresses. We, we see the, that research coming out, but that's, you know, that'll never make the label under current laws. So currently, yes, soil amendments is easy to do with humic and fulvic acids, but fulvic acids can't be labeled in, in California. Now, foliar application, that's when it becomes a little more different, you know, and the claims you can make on the label. Certainly. Thanks for that, Russell. We're going to be right back after a word from our sponsors. Agroplante is the leading manufacturer in specialty products. Agroplante formulates products that rise to the challenge of today's growing conditions. Saline and sodic soils reduce crop yield and cause significant crop losses. Agroplante developed Cation EX5 Plus with growers in mind to manage soil salinity. With multiple years of research, Cation EX5 Plus has proven to be an excellent source of calcium and an effective soil salinity manager. Run it through drip irrigation without any issues. Simplify your application method with innovative and efficient formulations. Alleviate salinity stress with CAT Ion EX5 Plus. Agroplante. Imagination. Innovation. Science in action.
Hi, we're back talking with Russell Taylor, Vice President of Live Earth Products Incorporated, and David Baudreau, Director of the Fertilizer Institute's Biostimulant Council, about biostimulant trends and usage, as well as the recently reintroduced Plant Biostimulant Act and what this legislation could actually mean for the ag industry. Uh, so, David, I want to talk about this act here. You know, Congressman Jimmy Panetta and Congressman Jim Baird recently announced the reintroduction of the Plant Biostimulant Act, which really looks to spur plant biostimulant research and regulatory approvals to support growers. It's a really big piece of legislation. Can you provide a bit more detail on what this bipartisan legislature, you know, actually looks to accomplish for the ag industry here? Sure. Thanks, Taylor. So um, <clears throat> the Plant Biostimulant Act is a bill that we've been working on now for um probably actually going on two and a half years. It's a piece of legislation that um, several of the trade groups that have been trying to solve some of the issues that Russell was just describing uh, have been working on with um, advocates on you know the industry side as well as some of the grower groups that have been using these products to try to get uh, to Russell's point, a consistent definition of bio, of what a plant biostimulant actually is. And so it's in terms of uh, legislation, it's pretty short. It's a pretty short bill. There's you know some bills in Congress that are hundreds or thousands of pages, but this is really only a three page bill um, because what it'll do is it will define, hopefully finally, what a Plant biostimulant is at, at the federal level. There have been in the last, in the 2018 Farm Bill, uh, just to back up for a second, we did work on, um, on that piece of legislation as well. And we included a provision in the bill that looked at the uh, trying to define what a plant biostimulant is, but more through a study. And it asked USDA to do a study on plant biostimulants. Um, write a report to Congress about what the options are for the industry and for the regulators that have been trying to figure out where these fit. And, um, and so this is an outgrowth of that. So that, 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 that was included in the 2018 farm bill. USDA did, did publish that report at the end of 2019. And it laid out some options for, you know, a number of the stakeholders to consider um, one of the things that it you know stopped short of doing was actually including a definition. It included a, a description of what a plant biostimulant um, is, and then the report itself created two different sort of alternative definitions for what a plant biostimulant is. And so the the bill that we have been working on with Congressman uh, Panetta from California and Baird from Indiana is focused on doing that. So it'll. It'll define plant biostimulant. It'll actually amend the, the FIFRA law that Russell was talking about, the pesticide law, to exclude plant biostimulants from being regulated as pesticides. The industry for years has been arguing these are not intended to kill or mitigate pests. They're much more focused on improving the nutrient uptake of uh, you know, by, by a plant or helping the plant withstand different environmental stresses like droughts or even frost damage, other kind of non-pesticide related uh, you know, 
adversarial impacts in the in, in the environment. And so um, it would do that. It would also try to create a definition for a term that is in the pesticide regulations called nutritional chemical. And we think that back when that was first inserted in the 1970s into the the Code of Federal Regulation, that that could have been sort of an early placeholder for some of what we would call plant biostimulants now. Now they're they're not um, they're not fertilizers and they're not pesticides. And so there was this term nutritional chemical that's for whatever reason they put it in the regulations and they never defined it. So the bill that Panetta introduced would define nutritional chemical and it would also slightly slightly change the definition of a vitamin hormone product. And so that's another term that dates to the 1970s that was focused on some of the plant extracts, this like seaweed extract type products that uh, were on the market more for lawn and garden use, um, but they they spelled out at the time they could not be used on food crop sites. And so we'd like that definition to be tweaked a little bit to be allowed on food crop sites, given that you know the seaweed extracts are a large percentage of the, the biostimulant market right now in the U.S. and internationally. And so the bill then would also require that, you know, EPA update the regulations, uh, you know, and that would require rulemaking and it would, um, it sets a defined time of 120 days for EPA to take action, assuming this bill becomes law. Um, so it, it does, it's a pretty quick timeline for them to undertake that, that effort. And then the last piece is that the bill has a, a short section on a, a study about soil health. So USDA is so focused on, you know, regenerative agriculture, soil health issues, um, you know, sustainable ag topics that we thought it would be useful to have USDA actually do a study on some of these biostimulant products and figure out how do they contribute to soil health. And so that's in the bill as well. And so the, the you know, the hope is that now that Congress is, you know, fully into the this next farm bill phase, that there's a a chance that later this year they'll they'll finish the farm bill and that this could be included in the larger farm bill context. And David, you were kind of alluding to this fact that, you know, a, a bill like this in the past has been historically difficult to to get all the way to the top. So I'm curious from your perspective at the Fertilizer Institute sitting on that biostimulant council, you know, is the bill's reintroduction by Congressman Panetta and Congressman Baird, you know, is this a good sign for its success this time around? The fact that, you know, there seems to be, you know, a lot of support here. Yeah, great question. I think that we're in a really good position with it being reintroduced. Uh, The other thing that happened that did not happen in the last Congress is that there's a Senate version of this same bill that was also just introduced last week um, by Senators Padilla from California and uh, Braun from Indiana. Uh, so it's the same two states for the House and the Senate versions of these bills, but we're trying to add support to the, the list of co-sponsors over the coming months. But the fact that there's a Senate version gives us a lot, um, it shows a lot more support uh, on Capitol Hill for this bill to be included in the farm bill uh, because we didn't have one the last Congress. I think that gives it a, you know a little bit of a, a different story and it 
um, probably raises the profile of it a little bit more in terms of the the potential to get um, language um, inserted into the farm bill that talks about biostimulant. So the other piece is that the the list of stakeholders that support it is growing. So we've you know added a few different associations that uh, were you know considering supporting it last Congress, but are now more vocal and they're more active. And I think now that we're in a farm bill year, those groups are going to be really active on Capitol Hill and asking their congressmen and senators to co-sponsor these pieces of legislation. And that should give us a little more momentum going into the into the actual writing of the farm bill. Um, so I'm optimistic that this this is a good year for this to be included and hopefully get signed into law. Certainly. David, I want to ask you one thing. I, I don't know if you can speak to this. I don't know if it's relevant, but uh, of course, as you know, the California Department of Pesticide Regulation recently rolled out their pesticide roadmap for the future of California. And I know biostimulants and pesticides are different, but some biostimulants can maybe have the qualities of a, a, the ability to control a pest and they have their own modes of action. Does this roadmap affect the future of biostimulants at all? Is is that even relevant here? Yeah, good question. I'm not as familiar with that. Um, I I did I have heard of it, um, but the the issue with California, and the, I think part of what's been um, helpful from our perspective to see is that the the, the CDFA, the the food and ag and the fertilizer folks in California. Uh, they've been very interested in biostimulants, and they're they're uh, one of the, a couple of the, the APCO, American Association of Plant Food Control Officials, um, who are involved from the state and represent the state of California, have really been the champions for getting a definition approved at the state level as well. So, simultaneous to this federal legislation that I was just talking about, we're also working on a uh, what they're called what they call a model bill or it's a kind of a draft bill at the state level that uh, this organization, AFCO, would endorse, and then they would like like other states to accept it. And it, it it's called a right now they're calling it a it's a beneficial substances model bill, and underneath that is a definition for for plant biostimulant, and it sets up a basically a framework for how those products will be labeled to to Russell's point and ultimately registered and then uh, brought to market at the at the state level. And you know, most of the products that in this market are regulated as fertilizers for lack of a better path uh, right now. And so that at the at the state level, the good thing that we have going for us, um, you know, from the other side in California, um, not and so the pesticide side, the fertilizer side of state regulator regulatory bodies are quite engaged and they're trying to help promote this consistent definition as well. Um, so anyway, we're, we're encouraged by that. Uh, we've got, you know, a large community of, of adopters of biostimulants in California, you know, like many of the industries that are in the crop input space, they got their start, you know, working in high value markets for specialty crops and biostimulants is no different. So, you know, there's a lot of farmers in California that'll be interested in that piece of this as the as the, uh, the state fertilizer folks 
get some uniform model bill in place in the next couple of years as well. Fantastic. And and one more thing here, David, I, I want to ask this to both you and Russell. We'll, we'll start with you while I have you and then throw it back to Russell here. Uh, I'm curious how you really recommend the ag industry go about supporting the reintroduction of the Plant Biostimulant Act and, and really biostimulants in general. What's what's the best way for people to get active in this legislation and really just get educated, actually? The, the best thing that anybody that is interested in this bill can do is contact their member of Congress and ask them to co-sponsor it. That would show that there's a lot of support for this. Um, you don't have to be, you know, in the weeds about how this will be helpful in that conversation with their with that particular congressional office or their, or their staff. It's really just to make the key points that you know this is a really quickly growing part of um, agriculture and sort of ag technology, and it'll help a lot of farmers in 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 your state and throughout the the country and the world for that matter. So the the point is that. This bill would, by creating a definition of what a biostimulant is, really start to create more certainty for that industry and then help the farmers that use these products. Um, so, so you know, if you're listening and you're interested, please contact your your federal uh, represent, rep, representatives, congressmen, senators, and their, their staff and ask them to take a look at this bill. Russell, how do you think folks show support? Well, I think the one thing that, all the farmers should really be appraised of is a lot of the stakeholders that are that are trying to accomplish and get this bill across the finish line are names they're familiar with. And uh, David could probably name several that are, you know, deeply involved, you know, Corteva and Bayer and some of these large groups that farmers are really familiar with want to see this uh, bill accomplished. So I, I think the, the first thing that a, a grower should do is contact his trade associations. A lot of these grower associations are actually have lobbyists in place and, and people that are able to add influence to their voice. And that's that's what they're paying these trade associations and then um, the, the grower associations, those, those type of things. That's what you're paying the money for. So make sure your associations know and your voice is heard like, hey, this is a, this is important to me so they can engage their, those, those members at D.C. And as as David said, also, let your let your congressman know um, not only do these these trade associations work on your behalf, but what we found is um, through our interactions with the EPA over public comment period on biostimulants over the past several years, they do look at the comments. They, they look at the volume of comments and say, wow, this is a, a, a matter that is important to a lot of people. Look, you know, look at all the number of comments. So take the time and, and, and make sure that you, know, you let your trade association know, your congressman know that you know, I want to get products that are able to do what they're described to do. And that's going to help all, all growers across the United States. Well, Russell, thank you. And David, thank you as well for joining me on the podcast today and talking about this, this important newer sector. It's, it's one that really, really needs a definition. And, and hopefully the Plant Biostimulant Act will go all the way to the top this time and we can achieve that, make these products easier for folks to buy and make it easier for them to understand really where it can benefit them and their operations. We appreciate you both being here today. Thank you. Thanks, Taylor. This is Taylor Charleston from My Ag Life. Thank you for listening. Subscribe for updates, exclusive content, and more at myaglife.com.